Clear Channel's iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show. Better than before. An hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is, Jane Wilkins Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show, Better Than Before on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. And now, as always, my producer, the lovely Lori Houston. Hi there, Lori. How are you? Hi, Jane. Well, getting ready. we're getting ready for our storm. I, not that it's going to be uh, anything like the well, one you were supposed that- to get. Never. We were supposed to have snowmageddon here in New York, and it was supposed to be the worst <laughs> blizzard of the century, and they closed absolutely everything, but we got like three little, three little inches of dusting, which is better. I suppose it's better than saying we'll get a little and then be, you know, have a blizzard, but <laughs> none, nonetheless, it was, uh, it's not, not pleasant, and it's cold, so anyway, what can I say? But I feel better this week. As you know, last week I was, I was sick. I could hardly talk, and the sh- but the show must go on, and you did give me a great recipe for soothing my throat. Would you like to share that recipe? Well, it... <laughs> It's one that I've always used because it it really is good, but it's, it's, you know, it's the master cleanse. You can either use honey. Honey is more soothing for the throat, so probably honey instead of the uh, uh, maple syrup. But it's, you know, it's lemon. It's hot. It's a hot beverage with lemon, cayenne pepper, and uh, honey for your throat. Oh, wow. But, you know, so it's, it's interesting because it reminded me years and years ago when I had my first son, my husband had a very, very bad cough and he coughed all night. And I just had a baby and, you know, got no sleep anyway. To be woken up all the hours with somebody coughing is, is kind of beyond annoying. So my guru du jour gave me a recipe for grape juice and cayenne pepper as an expectorant. And I put in lots and lots of cayenne pepper thinking, you know, the more the better. And I guess I used a little too much because next thing I knew, I had to have my mother come so I could take him to the emergency room. And he was diagnosed with triple lobe pneumonia. <laughs> so it wasn't just an ordinary cough. And my guru's concoction almost killed him. And actually, he told the doctor that I was trying to kill him. And I, I was just wondering if triple lobe pneumonia meant he secretly had three lungs. But suffice it to say, he's alive and well to this very day. So, But happily, happily, we have two celebrated doctors on the show today who will help us all live long, healthy, and happy lives and look better, look and feel better than before while we're at it. After the break, I'll be speaking with Dr. Lori Steel Smith, she's one of the country's best-known naturopathic physicians. Uh, you may have seen her on CNN's Health Watch. She's been in Self Magazine, Body and Soul Magazine, to name a few. And she is the go-to expert on natural medicine for women. Um, and she's coming to us today. Don't be as jealous as I, Lori. Hawaii. Um, but we'll be. <laughs> we'll yeah, be speaking- that's hard not to be jealous. Yeah, hard not to be jealous. We'll be speaking to her right after the break. But first, it is my great pleasure to welcome to the show Dr. Suzanne Gilbert Lenz. She is also coming to us from a warm-ish place, Beverly Hills. Dr. Suzanne is a renowned OBGYN. She is also a media star. She has been featured on Dr. Oz and Self Magazine, to name two. And as a woman's health practitioner, Dr. Suzanne considers not only her patient's symptoms, but rather their whole system. And she combines Ayurveda and conventional medicine. And the aim is to heal women's bodies from the inside out, using as many holistic modalities as possible. She joins us today to talk about simple diet and lifestyle tweaks for hormone balance, weight management, revitalized sleep, and gorgeous looks. And who wants that, says nobody ever. (laughs) Welcome to the show. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Dr. Suzanne. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. It is such a great pleasure to speak with you. You know, Dr. Suzanne, before we discuss hormone imbalance, which is one of your many specialties as an OBGYN, uh, let's take a few steps back and start at the beginning. You know, as you know, we as humans are extremely complex organisms. We have evolved over hundreds and thousands of years without any medical miracles. We, you know, without all those miracles we now take for granted, and thankfully today we can have both. My husband has three coronary stents that have kept him alive, um, which obviously complement his three lungs. Um, and I have an artificial hip. <laughs> but what, right. makes, what makes you so unusual as a medical doctor is that, as I mentioned in your intro, you do treat with both traditional and complementary medicine. So tell right. us, if you will, about your practice and why did you decide to also include holistic healing? 
Oh, gosh. I mean, those stories are always sort of your life story, right? Um, I mean, basically, I, I always had sort of a bigger perspective. I um, always wanted to be a doctor, actually, from a, a relatively young age. Interestingly, was discouraged from pursuing it in college because I had a lot of other interests, which ended up, I think, fueling my desire to do things differently. Didn't go to didn't go to medical school. Didn't do pre med. Moved to San Francisco after a you know classic liberal arts art history education, and quickly realized I really did feel like I wanted to be involved in the healing arts. And there's I think a big difference between having that perspective and maybe a different motivation for going into medicine. Mm-hmm. When I went into my medical training, I was you know also amazed and and. Um, really felt grateful for the technology and the the many advances that we've made that we all benefit from that we take for granted, frankly. But I also had some very deep experiences um, at LA County USC where I trained for the first part of my training of of the sort of that energy that passes, that healing energy that passes between people. And I realized that there was was more than I was going to get from conventional medicine. Through a long, interesting story, which I'm not going to waste your time with here, I, I met somebody who ended up teaching me and introducing me to Ayurveda, the ancient medical system of India, very similar to Chinese medicine, which I think people in this country are more familiar with. Ayurveda is starting to pop up a lot in beauty products and spas, right. but it has a whole so. system. And that's a yeah. wonderful way, I think, to be introduced. I'm not, I'm not a purist. You know, obviously, I'm not a purist when it comes to conventional medicine. I'm not a purist when it comes to Ayurveda. I appreciate that some people are, and I think those people are important to all of us, but I feel like my role is to be a bridge between the two worlds. So I had sort of a yoga practice that got much more active after I finished my very busy residency. I had two children during my OBGYN residency, which was not easy, and I was pretty, pretty stressed out, you know, and I started meditating, and from there grew my interest in Ayurveda, and I saw the benefit that just my different perspective, even if I didn't apply conventional or orthodox Ayurvedic treatments or diagnostic techniques in my office, just my larger perspective was very important for my own healing process, frankly, and for my patients. And so to this day, I continue to do that. It's, it's, right. it's very satisfying. It is. And we're going to get, uh, we're going to go into Ayurvedic medicine in more detail in, in a moment. But first, you know, a traditional medicine, of course, is allopathic. It treats what's wrong with you, but it doesn't necessarily get to the root of what caused it. And as you know, doctor, right. good health is not just freedom from disease. And interestingly enough, according to a recent study, the use of complementary alternative medicine by the public is really here to stay, and it's growing rapidly. And in the U.S. alone, apparently, it said over 30% of adults and approximately 12% of children are using some form of it. But I think the public as a whole still don't really know what we hear as, you know, complementary medicine, alternative medicine, um, integrative medicine, holistic healing. Can you kind of explain some of those practices and, and, you know, so we all can understand what they each entail. Some of the holistic practices that, yeah, that I mean, people are, I mean, yeah. that's a massive, we could talk about that, you know, for the next four hours, but so, I, what I'm seeing, I'll tell you what I'm seeing yeah. in my office, what right. I, what I personally find to be the most beneficial, what I either encourage my patients to do or refer them out to do, because I don't, I have a conventional Beverly Hills practice. I do things a little bit, I I use herbs the most, so we'll start with that. I tend to use um, nutraceuticals and herbs the most in my practice, and I am very particular about what I use because the industry is famously marginally regulated, and so I'm very, very careful about evidence because I am a scientist, and I do have to be held to a higher standard. I have a medical license, and I think people come in, and they trust me, and they, they should trust me with good reason. So I take that very that that honor that they bestow upon me very very seriously. So I'm very particular about what kind of herbs I use and where I get those herbs from, what companies I work with, and we can talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of for me first line therapy. Um, but just to be careful because that's not a very holistic way to do things, is it? <laughs> right? It's yeah. a pretty allopathic approach to yeah. natural medicine, and a lot of us do that because you know what? That's the way we're trained, and you have five to fifteen minutes. Maybe if you take 25 and you screwed up your whole day, I do that all the time. I'm kind of infamous for that. But that, I, I'm i okay with that, but I don't think that's uh, 
you know, long term, that I wouldn't consider that holistic medicine. Um, stress management, like meditation, yoga, other movement, uh, type T. I'm not a practitioner, but I, I appreciate its benefit. Those are probably the next, and I, I, uh, meditation in particular. I mean, I told you it changed my life. It opened my life up, and continues to. You know, I that I can't say enough about. But just the physiologic benefits, there's a ton of science, you know, Herbert Benson, Harvard, 1972, there's a lot of data out there. So that, and I, and I use this in particular because, you know, I speak a lot to my own colleagues and I know how they think and they need to hear the science behind it. And there's plenty of science. Common sense tells you that it, it works, right? Okay. But, you know, some people need to hear the science behind it. Um, and then I think the other body work, um, so Ayurveda is, has a rich history of body work, uh, all sorts of uh, massage, oil treatments, um, panchakarma, which people may have heard of, which is a, I hate using the word detox or cleansing because it's such a Western construct, but it's a way of rebalancing and getting back to what should be your natural constitution. So those are just a couple of the things. I love acupuncture and Chinese medicine. I refer out a lot to my trusted colleagues. Um, I live in a big city. I'm very, very fortunate. My patients are fortunate because we have lots of people who have great training in that area uh, who are local. Um, so those are those are some of the some of the techniques that, that I I like to. I love Ayurveda. I love that the treatment where they pour hot oil in between on your third eye. I, thought, I was just thinking of it as I was talking. Oh, that is yeah. the best. Shiodara. Shiodara, right. I thought it would be the most annoying thing. You know, you're lying at a table and you have oil dripped on your third eye, but it, that's right, the, the area right between your, your, your eyebrows. Uh, but it, it was amazing. You know, I was so relaxed that you just yeah, go into sort of a trance. It's unbelievable. But yeah. you know, going back to the question before, I know, you know, holistic healing is a, is a huge subject, but I think people hear complementary medicine, alternative medicine, integrative medicine, they just, it, they, they think it's all sort of the same, but I'm, I'm, I think it's, it's obviously they all have different, I would think complementary medicine is what they offer. Let's say at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, which you're talking about the treatments like acupuncture and, right. you know, there's a sign that says, you know, with your protocol, you can have a um, uh, Ayurvedic treatment, uh, Ayurvedic, you can have a, a um, acupuncture or reflexology. Right. So it's very, people are really beginning to understand and, and seek this, which they never did before, yeah. you know. It was, well, but I think, you know, you mentioned, and, and I know that um, I the data that's out there on how much the the public is using complementary and alternative medicine is always going to be three, four years behind in terms of reporting and underreported as well because people frequently do this and are concerned that they're going to offend their doctor or their doctor is going to judge them or tell them to stop. And so they don't even tell us a lot of the time. And um, there are a lot of really wonderful approaches that are not conventional and there are people who you need to be careful and aware of, but I think you hit it on the head in the intro. And I think the major, major difference in a truly holistic approach, and a lot of times I will call it just traditional medicine, is the sort of inside-out approach. Um, again, no disrespect to my allopathic conventional colleagues because we say, well, I, look, I had breast cancer, okay? I would not have not had surgery or radiation. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not uh, crazy. <laughs> just going to say that. Yeah. So I did that. But I also did a lot of holistic and more healing modalities to de-stress, to recover, to feel like a person. Now, that's very, very, very important to be addressed as a whole person but also to sort of look at other other ways that we are out of balance that have a cascade effect that is both subtle and very, very unsubtle and can be very dangerous. There's a lot more talk now about gut health, the microbiome, you know, all this stuff that we know about the digestive tract. In Ayurveda specifically, Agni or the digestive fire and your digestion is the seat of everything. You have to start with that. If you have good digestion, everything else will follow. Oh, so it's literally nice. from your body, from the center of your body out. And all therapies start with identifying what is your natural constitution because we're not all the same. So this is another thing that I think is very, very important. It's not a one-size-fits-all. There's not an algorithm that is applied to everybody. It's not protocol medicine like 
look, I just did a C-section this morning. I have to check off a lot of boxes and do everything the same way, on paper at least. That's not how Ayurveda proceeds at all. We look at, A, who are you, the unique individual? Two, where are the imbalances? Okay, and now three, we get to both the gut, your digestion, and then your mind, because it's very important, and your mind is not, last time I checked, not really separate from your body. It's pretty right, much you all know, together. It, it, to your point, as a human being, we are cohesive, whole of mind, body yeah. and soul, yeah. and, and we have to look into physiological, the emotional, and, and spiritual, because all those yeah. three do count, and that's what you're saying, that you do take that into consideration. Um, doctor, also, and you, you mentioned something about you know, Ayurveda, um, inflammation is a, is a yeah. huge uh, issue today. We're hearing all about it, whether it's causing cancer, heart conditions. Let's talk a little bit about inflammation. How does that affect us, uh, our health, and why shouldn't I we mean, have an inflamed body? You know, inflammation is definitely the new catchword, and it's very, very important because we know that pretty much every chronic disease and, and many acute diseases at some level involve inflammation. It's not the only thing that causes diabetes, cancer, heart disease, but it, it is a required step in any of those conditions. We know that um, inflammation diminishes your, your body's immune system's ability to do its job. So you now have sort of a vicious cycle going. You have a problem that is created and then you have your solution, which is your immune system, is the solution for most of our self-help healing, which is now compromised. Um, stress is one of the biggest inflammatory uh, causes that we have. And I think people at this point really understand and appreciate that we live in a very stressful world, we have stressful lives, we have a lot of pressure, and that the stress is, quote, not good for us. But you, you it's not enough for us to say that. It's not enough for us to say that. And for me as a physician, and say, okay, you know, you're stressed, you've got to de-stress. I mean, what? That, that's, that did not help. <laughs> just felt like yeah. it was, like, you know, point what that out and say goodbye. But stress, if we can manage stress, which is why I'm such a huge advocate for mindfulness and meditation, we can really, really bring down that cortisol and that inflammatory process that results from the stress hormones um, because our hormones change. Our physiology changes. Our neurotransmitters change. Now it's affecting your gut. It's affecting your digestion. You understand that your grandmother was right. You are what you eat. You, what molecule, The molecules that you put into your body create the molecules that become your body. This is all, it's all actually very basic stuff. Yeah, I always say your you know? supermarket should be your lifestyle pharmacy and, yep. and you should look at food as, as such. And, you know, when you talk about cortisol, let's, let's get into hormones because that's all part of the, the hormonal issue for, for women. Yep. And that's a really important. I do want to go into that in detail with you. Uh, perimenopause, menopause, you know, there are two stages that all women go through, you know, like uh, death and taxes. It, it's not a disease. Right. It's, it's a natural milestone in every woman's life. Again, it's not, obviously it's not a disease. But, you know, there's some really horrific side effects that come with it. Panic attacks, depression, hard to sleep, brain fog, mood swings, headaches, you know, then there's the physical physical, the sweats, hot flashes, weight gain, heart disease, bone loss, you know, kill me now. Even your, even your thyroid goes out of whack. So, uh, you know, right. how, and the big controversy, doctor, of course, is that as you get older, you are losing your hormones. Now, nobody wants to dry up like a prune. Right. But on the other hand, you know, you hear all this stuff about getting cancer and then you hear, well, they're synthetic hormones and they're natural hormones and they're, right. I'm on um, uh, bioidentical hormones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, today you go to a doctor um, and, and, and not all of do doctors are like you, you know, they, the hormones, they either give you the synthetic ones, you know, the, 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 the horse hormones, or there's no real test for it. So we're at yeah. sea about hormones. So let's talk about hormones. Yeah, that's a, that's a, a really uh, great and favorite topic of mine. The first thing I want to define is this sort of idea of what is natural and what is synthetic. It's so, so important to really, that, that terminology needs to go away because there is no natural uh, hormone that is bioidentical to a woman's hormones unless you're taking it from another woman. And I really don't, that's, that could get you into a lot of trouble. <laughs> so I don't recommend you do that. Um, and I tell people all the time, I make my patients laugh, but you know, they come in and some of them are doing all sorts of different supplements and God bless them. I don't blame them. They're trying to figure the crap out, right? Wild yam, 
I'm going to start with WildEM. I have no objection to WildEM. I have extensively researched the data on most of these uh, natural products. WildEM is natural. It occurs in the natural world. If you know a yam that has terrible PMS or is having bad uh, menopause, please get it some WildEM because it will really help it. But WildEM is not the same as bioidentical progesterone, micronized oral progesterone or creams or whatever. The people who are getting bioidenticals from a compounding pharmacy, as long as that compounding pharmacy is a safe, you know, reliable source, and that's that's also a huge topic and very controversial, I think that's fine. But pharmaceutical companies also make bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And I don't, where do you think the compounder is getting it from? The same place. It's, mm-hmm. it's, they probably have the same vendor. There's probably five, you know, manufacturers who are making all of the bioidentical hormones and some are going to pharma and getting regulated by the FDA and some are going to compounding pharmacies. So bioidentical is what I favor and what I use. Um, I almost always start, frankly, with pharma. And then if it's not working for the patient, I move over to compounded. If I'm going to add some of the male hormones for whether it's energy, um, sex, libido, that kind of stuff, or some of the precursor hormones. Right, you're talking about testosterone. testosterone. But also testosterone, but also DHEA and pregnenolone, which Mm -hmm. are two precursor hormones, which may be helpful for people. Those I've got to do with the compounder, and that's fine. But I don't necessarily do that with everybody. Again, I don't have a one-size-fits-all approach. I don't agree with the hormone saliva testing thing. I find that really interesting. It's like, why are we now, we're telling you you're an individual and let's address your individual issue, but but I'm going to put you into this narrow reference range, which is based on, I don't know what science, I've never seen any published data proving these reference ranges are where we need to be. I'd rather look at you, Lori, and what are your problems? I'm having sleep problems. I'm having hot flashes. I'm having vaginal dryness, whatever it is. That's how I help you know, pick and choose what I'm going to use for you. But yeah, I, I, I always use the bioidenticals. Why would I, I just prefer, I feel it's more safe and, and it is more natural to replace and replenish what your body was already making. You know, not every woman is a candidate. Not every woman wants or needs bioidentical hormones. There are a lot of wonderful herbs out there that can work quite well. Um, and, you know, for some of my patients, they either have a family history or a personal history or a bias against hormones, and that's that's fine. We work with that. We just do different things. We do chase berry. We do cramp bark. We do black cohosh, um, ashwagandha, and shatavari are the king and queen of um, Ayurvedic herbs. So those are options. And then there's sort of the you know supplements I like to use too. Yeah, but you know, you mentioned the the fact if you just go to, you know, a, a, a gyne- OBGYN or gynecologist that's I'm talking about in New York City, and you ask for hormones, they'll say, oh no, you know, because there's no way really to test that they know. You could say, oh, I have hot flashes, or I just I want to continue having some hormones, you know, not right. like too many because after a certain age, I don't think you probably should have too many. But um, how do you, if you go to your conventional doctor, let's say, can you ask for a hormone test? Is there any way they can check or is there really no barometer to to tell what your hormones are just by how you feel? Yeah, it's about how you feel because the reality is, again, here's the analogy that I use in my office. If you looked at everybody sitting in the waiting room who feels great and you tested their hormones, they're not the same. And if you looked at everybody in the waiting room who feels crappy and you check their hormones, they're also not the same. Our hormones have circadian rhythms. They have hourly rhythms. They're up and down. I mean, the reference ranges, in other words, like what is, quote, normal and not normal, are very clear for very few things. Fertility, maybe. Even that's not super clear, but there's, like, predictive value uh, with some of the signaling hormones. Those are the hormones that go from your brain to your ovaries to tell you to ovulate, for instance. Um, sure, if you come in and you haven't had a period for 12 months and you're having hot flashes and you're irritable and you're 53, I can check your FSH and your estradiol and I can tell you right now your estradiol will be low and your FSH will be high. And that did what for me? Because it's not as if I know that when I put you on hormone replacement therapy, I need to keep your estradiol here. And that's not how, again, that's not really, I know a lot of doctors out there are doing this and I would love for them to educate me because I'm, I don't, where is the data? It's not there. It, it's, I, 
you really have to be, you have to be careful. If you use estrogen, you need to use progesterone if you have a uterus. I mean, I don't want to get too mm-hmm. detailed here, but, um, you know, there's some basics here. And, and then you also have to have a full discussion with your patient about their personal history, their family history, the risks, the benefits, the alternatives, because any medicine that we give has a risk. Estrogen mm-hmm. has risks attached to it. Um, you know, and I think as long as the discussion has been really thoroughly had and examined and everybody is kind of on board, then you proceed and you see, you see where you go from there. When I have someone in my practice, I, this is not someone I see in a year. I see them a lot sooner because I want to be on top of things. How are they feeling? What's going on? What are symptoms? What are side effects? What's better? What's worse? Yeah. Well, what's you amazing have to be is... Committed. What's amazing is that it's a, it's a problem that all women, as I said, go through, and yet there is very little that, uh, you know, most people say, oh, no, don't take hormones. They'll give you cancer. I mean, that's simply the the, the belief, yeah. and, and I yeah. think a lot more work has to be done with your doctor, as you say. They have to kind of go into your lifestyle more, but who, most doctors don't have time for that, unfortunately. That's how it's 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 managed healthcare. You know, you have 15 minutes, so the thought it's of going really, into... It's really, really challenging. It's, it's so, challenging. so, so, so challenging. And also, yeah. um, you know, you mentioned the, the stress, and, and obviously when we're in stressful situations, our brain orders our adrenal glands to secrete uh, adrenaline and cortisol, and obviously we talked about cortisol. I think from an anti-aging uh, standpoint, that's right. probably the most the, the most uh, damaging. So, um, how do you uh, balance um, the the cortisol in your? I mean, are there natural ways to balance that as well? You know, I don't like to get too into the to those steroid hormones too much, but I'll tell you, I, I think probably the worst thing that I see with my patients is that their sleep is really disrupted. And when their sleep is disrupted, everything else follows. Everything else bad follows. And so if you can get the sleep back, then that will actually fix a lot of the other complaints, whether it's weight management, brain fog, you know, so a sense of well-being. And so if you can, if you can restore that, and for, for instance, um, progesterone is very, very helpful with getting sleep restored. Um, Chaseberry or Vitex, that's the Latin name, has been shown to um, help your body start to make more progesterone. And again, that can help. And it can help a lot with mood, a lot. You, then you'll, you'll get the rest of it can kind of fall back into place. And this is also where I use a lot of the lifestyle management stuff. Um, so, you know, again, if, if someone's not sleeping because they're having hot flashes, then you need to address the hot flashes. I don't do really the anti-aging thing and so I'm not I just I don't really replace cortisol or do or you know not obviously don't replace cortisol but I don't do a lot of that stuff I like to come at it from more of the um again like the inside out approach what's causing the stress right well you do enough you know if Ken expects you do absolutely everything <laughs> no well I know I know whatever I am a doctor you know I yes. hold myself to a higher standard than normal people <laughs> a higher standard so one thing we're, we're we have a couple more minutes left but there's an area that a lot of women also are uh, affected by and that is you know they get these chronic yeast infections which lead to uh, bacterial vaginitis and and also you know upper uh, urinary tract infections and they're constantly yeah. given antibiotics which I think make yeah. it worse. Are there any, yeah. briefly, are there any uh, tips to deal with that without taking antibiotics or is that Absolutely. That- I mean, once you get to the point where you actually have a full-blown infection, you need to take antibiotics because you're at risk for getting a kidney infection, which can be quite dangerous. But I'll tell you, even my patients who don't want to take systemic hormone therapy, which is really what we've been talking about, almost all of them are going to end up using vaginal estrogen. I even use it in my breast cancer patients with the blessing of the breast cancer oncologist that I work with locally um, because the, when the vaginal tissue loses estrogen, it gets drier, it's more susceptible to infection. So uh, lubrication can be helpful. Coconut oil is a great natural lubricant because there are some anti-inflammatory properties, vaginal estrogen and the right candidate. Probiotics and probiotics that are specifically targeted for the reproductive organs, really, really, really important because as you lose estrogen, the normal bacteria shifts and favors infection. So you can, I can treat you with antibiotics till the cows come home and what did I do? I just killed all the good stuff with the bad stuff. And if I give you antibiotics and I don't replace and replenish normal, I am not practicing good medicine. I mean, 
I think anytime somebody gets antibiotics, they should be getting probiotics yeah. or prebiotics. Well, you're you're a wonderful doctor, honestly. And where can our Thank you. Where, can, where can our listeners find you in Beverly Hills? <laughs> I'm taking the next flight. Lori, join me. We're on the next flight just to get to Beverly Hills out of this. Oh, I love that! <laughs> I love that. I'm online. I'm I have a website. Uh, www. Oh God, what is it? The Doctor Suzanne Dr. with no um, punctuation. dot com. I have my clinical practice is Women's Care Women's Care of Beverly Hills. I'm on Twitter at Ask Dr. Suzanne. I'm on Facebook. So I'm happy to, to continue the conversation and educate people. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for being with us. There's so much more to talk about. I'd love to have you yeah, back on the show. We can we do it again. Yeah. Hour, hour, uh, hours and hours. All right. Well, thanks can I again. Give you a quick, can I give you a quick throat uh, uh, sure, herbal thing, too? Because oh, I was sure. listening to the beginning. Yes, yes. Thyme, fresh thyme and cinnamon stick. Make a tea out of it. It's awesome for a cough or a sore throat. Terrific. Try well, thank it. You. You'll love thank it. You. I will. I will. I, I, I will <laughs> try. Right. It, I will try it during the break. Thank you, everyone. Uh, All right, take it thank easy. You again, um, and when we return, we'll be speaking with Dr. Lori Steelsmith. Uh, everyone, you're listening to the Jane Wilkins Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. Stay with us after this brief break. We'll be back. This portion of the Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts. Express Scripts oversees 1.4 billion pharmacy claims each year. On behalf of employers, health plans, unions, and government health programs, Express Scripts works to make the use of prescription drugs safer and more affordable for the 100 million Americans they serve. Understanding that better decisions lead to healthier outcomes, Express Scripts helps patients make the best drug choices and health choices possible. Their disease-specific pharmacists are here to help you better understand your prescribed therapy, lower your overall health care costs, and, ultimately, stay on the path to better health. For more information, visit ExpressScripts.com. Want to know where you can hear Jane Wilkins' Michael's show better than before? Well, that's easy. You can tune in to Jane via Clear Channel's iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, and at bmajor.org. Now, back to Jane Wilkins-Michael and Better Than Before. Welcome back, everyone. We are on the air live. You're listening to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm here with Lori, and now it's my great pleasure to introduce you all to Dr. Lori Steelsmith. Dr. Lori, as I mentioned in the first segment, is the go-to expert on natural medicine for women. Women, woman, <laughs> women. She is the she is the two time she is two she has two best oh gosh, Dr. Lori, I need you today. I can't even talk. Uh, she has two best-selling books: Great Sex Naturally and Natural Choices for Women's Health. You may have seen her on CNN's Health Watch or in Self Magazine or Body and Soul Magazine, to name a few. And she has been called one of America's best-known naturopathic physicians. And for over twenty years. She has been, she is the medical director. She has been and is currently the medical director of Steel Smith Natural Health Center, a state-of-the-art healing center for natural medicine on, um, in Hawaii. She happens to be coming to us all the way from Hawaii, which she said today has VOG, which is what we have smog in New York, but it's kind of natural smog. Welcome welcome to the show, Lori. <laughs> thank you oh, so thank much. You for so much. Or thank should you I so say much. aloha, which is the only word that I've picked up from Hawaii 5 <laughs> So, um, so it's not, you said it's not that, um, it's smoggy there. I mean, it's foggy there. It's voggy. So volcano fog, Pele, our um, volcano has been very active over on the big island. And when we lose our trade winds, it all settles on top of Oahu. So, um, yeah, we have a lot of very interesting, um, skylines out there right now. How nice, though. Just when you hear Hawaii, you think that that's where you want to be out of any place that's so cold as it is here in New York, as you as you might imagine. Uh, oh, I saw the pictures. It looks incredible. Uh, incredible, incredible is the right word, but it's 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 cold. <laughs> I don't know. When you live here, you don't appreciate it. So let's just just say that. And you probably don't appreciate the warm weather in Hawaii, right? Oh, I do. I do. I'm a swimmer, so believe me, I am I am very much in tune with how incredibly beautiful it is here. I'm actually from Connecticut. I used to work in New York City, so um, I know I know exactly what it's all about. Yeah. 
Well, I am very impressed with what you do. And, and Dr. Lori, as you know, years ago, the notion that dietary factors were the major determinants of, of many forms of cancer was viewed as being unfounded from a scientific perspective. And of course, today that link is irrefutable. And the connection between diet and a multitude of other diseases is, you know, much, much better understood. And that being said, when you go to your doctor for an annual checkup, as you know, even if you, um, you know, for a health issue or just, you know, a, a checkup, the majority really don't have time to discuss what you eat, your stress level, your sleep habits, exercise routines, you know, your lifestyle in general. Um, they just treat the immediate symptoms and, and prescribe various tests accordingly. And you are one of the country's best-known naturopathic doctors. Um, can, tell us a little bit about naturopathic medicine and, and well, what you do as a naturopathic physician. Well, I specialize in women's health care, but I do treat men and children as well. And really what you just said is really hits the nail on the head. We look at the whole person. We're looking at their lifestyle, their diet, their exercise patterns, their psycho-emotional life. And we're putting together protocols for patients that help them to not just heal their migraine, but also to really transform their whole life. So naturopathic medicine is based on this idea that through using the least toxic, least invasive methods, you can actually really take care of a lot of health complaints that people have, whether it's chronic asthma or eczema or immune deficiency or irritable bowel syndrome, or for women who have a lot of hormonal imbalances. You know, that's an area that I specialize in where women come in because they're just like, my PMS is driving me crazy, or I'm having a lot of perimenopausal symptoms, and I don't know what to do about it, and I don't want to be taking hormones, so what can I do? So, um, you know, using, again, our botanical medicines, our nutritional supplementation, and using things that are well-researched. You know, it's not like these things are um, uh, not studied. I mean, we have incredible information about chase tree berry, for instance, and how it can help balance women's hormones by increasing your own body's production of progesterone. So, so really what naturopathic medicine is about is about supporting, augmenting, and enhancing the body's ability to create wellness. Right. And I think we have inherent self-curative powers. You know, I think the natural fever is natural to, to kill off the bacteria and white blood cells come to our defenses. Um, and, and what I always wonder is, are we um, compromising our own natural healing ability by, let's say, taking antibiotics or taking uh, fever reducers? Isn't that what our body's supposed to do? There's a time and place. I really think there's a time and place. You know, if a patient's fever is getting up to be 103 degrees, I think we need to bring it down because once it's 104, that gets into the danger zone. However, if a patient has a 99.6 or a 101 degree fever, I'm actually going to have them do a fever treatment where they get into a hot tub and they drink ginger tea and then they wrap up in a cold wet blanket and put wool blankets over them and put a hat on them and and wet socks and and then the person actually has what we call fever treatment where they literally crank up their body's internal temperature to help break that fever so we can use a fever to help us to fight a cold or flu or virus and and yet there's times where somebody may need an antibiotic you know i mean we have prescription rights here in hawaii and if a patient's been sick for two weeks they still are coughing up yellow phlegm i'm going to very seriously consider giving them an antibiotic but that's after we've done everything we can with natural medicine to try to support their own body's ability to heal itself yeah, well, I'm a bit of a health alarmist, which is a nice, I guess, nice way of saying hypochondriac. <laughs> that's so great. When, when my temperature reaches 98.7, I feel like it's a raging fever and I must do something immediately. <laughs> but I let, <laughs> I let my, my natural curative powers come to, come to fight for me. Um, but you know something, Dr. Lori, getting back to holistic medicine in general, uh, natural medicine is, is really becoming mainstream. And years ago, it was considered sort of fringe, like vegans or people, you know, who eat matrobiotics or, or, or or gluten-free, and and you know t- today it's it's as as I had said earlier in the first segment, you know it's it's accepted to all of the the major hospitals are offering uh, complementary treatments like acupuncture and reflexology and massage. I mean, it's really becoming so mainstream, which is a really good thing, I think. 
Yeah, no, I think of it as sort of the feminine medicine. You know, we've got our masculine, young, kind of aggressive medicine like our antibiotics and our surgeries, but people want to have wellness. And I think that it's being embraced because, A, it makes sense, B, it's the least toxic way of creating wellness, and C, people are demanding it. I mean, naturopathic medicine, when I went to school in 1987 (laughs) and graduated in 93, I mean, nobody even knew what a naturopathic doctor was. And now it's being so embraced because people, it's a a patient-driven industry. It's something that people want to know about. They want to know what they can use. That's the least toxic method to be able to correct their underlying problem. Um, They're seeking out wellness care because it helps to create health. And creating health is very different from just destroying a bacteria with an antibiotic, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, I think the problem also is that a lot of it is not covered by insurance. So how do you weave this natural medicine into your life in, in, in affordable ways? Well, I think, first of all, we have to look at our foundation of health. So the affordable thing is to buy the healthiest, most vital food that you can, right? And, mm-hmm. and part of that foundation is also you want to move your body, you want to exercise. You want to make sure you're getting enough sleep. And you want to make sure that you're also detoxifying well. If you're not taking the garbage out of your body very efficiently, you know, things get kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. we want to make sure that that foundation of health is in place. And actually, that's a daily life kind of thing. You know, I think of supplements as supplemental to a healthy, vital lifestyle rather than people taking supplements as a way of thinking that that's their health. You know, sometimes I have patients come in with this bag full of pills mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, well, here's my health. And I'm like, uh, well, let's start over. <laughs> you know, I think it's time that we actually kind of take stock of what you're doing in your daily life and, um, you know, really assessing someone's level of vitality. You know, that's something that's often left out in your traditional medical um, evaluation is like, how vital is this person? You know, how, how, how strong is their immune system? Um, and vitality also relates to, um, you know, creativity. It's really creative energy is what we're looking at. In, in so many ways. I mean, if you're not vital, if you, I see some people as uh, not only supplements, but they take, you know, carloads of, of prescription pills. And you think, well, maybe some of them you can kind of edit out and, and do it naturally. Um, and it's hard to convince a lot of people. But thank goodness for doctors like you who are really uh, making it more and more mainstream that you can get better naturally as well. I think you should ha- have both for, for definitely. Um, now, you also, doctor, the author of Great Sex, Naturally, a, a best-selling book, um, and I remember one of my first assignments when I gave, when I began my career as a health and beauty journalist, and it was at Cosmopolitan magazine. Big surprise <laughs> for a story <laughs> like this, right? And the story was entitled "Nutrition to Enrich Your Sex Life." I still remember that it was so very long ago, but I, I also remember my first paragraph, um, and I said, "For three thousand years or so, aphrodisiacs, of course, named for Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love." Um, have made a reputation for increasing male potency and female uh, willingness. And and Chinese warlords, among others, I I, I remember this whole little uh, uh, intro paragraph, seeking extra zest, sip the original tiger's milk. And, of course, I'll let everyone figure out what part of the tiger that supposedly came from. Um, (laughs) And and they did the same for bulls and sharks and rams and, and, and rhinos, right? So at the time, I asked Gaylord Hauser, and he was one of the founding fathers of the American movement toward healthy eating. I'm sure you've, you've, you've heard of Gaylord Hauser. He's quite, mm-hmm. quite amazing. And, and I asked him why men risk their life and limb for this. And he said that primitive people didn't know it, but their love potions often were highly nutritious, and that included eggs and snails and fish and oysters, um, all of which were full of vitamins and, and minerals, and therefore they simply felt better, which undoubtedly improve their love life. So, um, you know, from your research, what do you feel are the common signs that women um, are missing some nutrients that could be key to their sexual health? Well, I think that we have to look at how, again, that idea of vitality. And so for women that aren't eating well and aren't getting enough sleep and they're burned out and they're they're eating um, not nutrient-dense food, but more of that kind of fast food that's very high in um, saturated fats or even chemicals, you just see that there's this lower level of vitality. And, And one of the things that I stress in my book, Great Sex Naturally, is that really you're 
sexual energy comes from this vital force, and this vital force comes from the way that you're living your life, and it comes from a, a much deeper wellspring of energy. And this wellspring of energy translates in Chinese medicine to kind of your kidney chi or your kidney yang energy, kidney yin and kidney yang. And women really need both kind of that nurturing feminine energy as well as that sort of fiery hot energy in order for them to have sexual vitality. And I think with the culture that we live in, it's very yang, it's very hot, it's very expansive, it's very um, sort of masculine. And when women just... They they, they dive too far into that aspect of our culture and they live a lifestyle that's too extreme in that respect, then they lose that sort of yin feminine um, energy that's very um, supportive and nurturing. And it helps to it helps to build that sort of foundation of vitality. And I think we all know what I'm talking about with that. It's like, you know, you can feel wired and tired or you can feel like you have this wellspring of energy. And, you know, certain nutrients, yes, can contribute to that. And it's usually not one single nutrient, but it's really how you're eating on a daily basis. You know, I have some foods that I, I think that are really kind of like our superfoods that help to bolster and boost our vitality. And, you know, one of them is as simple as blueberries. You know, blueberries, it's really great for our blood vessels. It's high in flavonoids. <coughs> Excuse me. It's, um, you know, a, a type of food that helps to really give to your body a lot of proanthocyanidins, which help, again, to, to support the blood vessels, support the integrity of your tissues, um, and, 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 you know, having women really look at what they're eating and eating foods that help to nurture and nourish their bodies, you know, instead of foods that really take away from their bodies. I think that that's really the key thing in terms of building sexual vitality and energy. Uh, now, also, there are a lot of um, food that we hear, uh, omega-3s, that's big. Is that something that you suggest that we include in our diet every day? Oh, omega-3s are really important because they get incorporated into every cell membrane in the body. They decrease inflammation. They also help to hydrate and nourish the mucous membranes. And, you know, one of the key things that women complain about, especially in perimenopause and menopause, is, you know, vaginal dryness. In fact, that I think is something that, you know, we should really have more discussions about because patients come in, they have a lot of irritation at the vulva, they have pain with sex, and, um, you know, omega-3 fats are really important to have in the diet. They can also be used topically at the vulva. Um, I have often patients even take vitamin E as a capsule and just um, poke it and then take the vitamin E out and then apply that to the labia or to the vaginal opening as a way to help to hydrate these tissues. Um, coconut oil can be used in this area. Um, even our omega-3 fats like flax oil can be used there. So it's a, it's, omega-3 fats are very important, very nutritive. I take a spoonful of cod liver oil every day, which I like. I mean, I would. Oh, good I, for you. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use it in any other area <laughs> except just. No, I don't think I put it, it down there either. <laughs> <laughs> cod liver oil isn't kind of what you want to put in other areas, but you know, you mentioned vitamin E, and I, and I remember writing that it's a it it's it developed its reputation as a sex vitamin after laboratory tests showed that when male animals were deprived of it, their testicles shrank. And my husband said, yikes. <laughs> give me some of that. Give me some of that vitamin E. So right. is, that, is that still something you, you had mentioned that as well? Is that something we should take every day, vitamin E? Well, vitamin E is one of those that's very hard to get in your diet in the, in the amounts that I think really make it a powerful antioxidant. So taking vitamin E, like 200 IU, mixed to cofferol, very important. And for women, it can help with hot flashes. It can help with libido. It can help, um, as, a, as I said, a very powerful antioxidant, which works in fat-soluble tissues. So vitamin E, if you're taking in a lot of flax oil or walnut oil or pumpkin seed oil, these are all our omega-3 fats, you actually want to have more vitamin E because you want to help prevent the oxidation of those fats that have been incorporated into your cell membranes. So vitamin E is actually very, um, very nutritive type of vitamin that I see that women should be using, especially because if you think about it, it's like an oil. So oils are very yin in nature, and yin is more the feminine aspect of chi. 
So using vitamin E, about 200 IU mixed tocopherols, not just the gamma tocopherol, but mixed tocopherol is really important. And how much vitamin D do we need? They even have tests now, part of the blood test, the standard blood test that you can have a vitamin, your vitamin D checked. Why is that so important to get enough well, vitamin D? Excellent question. You know, everybody out there listening needs to get their vitamin D level tested, especially if you live in the Northeast um, or if you live anywhere in the northern parts of the world because you're just not getting exposed to the type of UV rays that will give you enough vitamin D. Now, vitamin D is not just important for your bones, but vitamin D is an immune modulator. So it works with your immune system. And it's it's it really um, an, an important nutrient because... It, 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 it has such a powerful effect on your immune system in terms of preventing viruses, in terms of um, helping people with autoimmune conditions. There are a lot of patients that I find, even here in Hawaii, who have very low levels of vitamin D. The blood test that you want to have done is called a 25-hydroxy vitamin D. This is looking at your vitamin D3 levels. Vitamin D3 is what you want to be taking because it's more readily absorbed rather than vitamin D2. And... Um, you want to make sure that your levels are actually around 50. And typically what you're going to see is a reference range somewhere between 30 and 100. Now, one of the things that I do in my practice is I do a lot of DNA testing, and I check patients for um, DNA mutations that have to do with vitamin D receptor issues. And for patients here in Hawaii that I find that they have these DNA vitamin D receptor mutations, they do not absorb vitamin D very well. And they need to often take up to 5,000 to 10,000 IU a day in order to get adequate levels in their blood. So vitamin D is very important um, for women who are in perimenopause or even actually at any age. If they start to experience a lot of joint pain, um, I want you to get your vitamin D level tested. I've seen it in so many cases over the years, even here in Hawaii, that um, they can have very low levels of vitamin D. Right. And it can be related to that joint pain. And, and getting vitamin D levels up, that joint pain goes away. Well, you know, by nature, if you say take a little, everyone's going to take more than they should have, as, as you know, which is, which is the, the problem. You know, that's what vitamin E, they were taking tons and tons and tons of it. Now, there's water-soluble and non-water-soluble vitamins. Which is the one that comes, that, that comes out of you if you... Um... Oh, the water-soluble vitamins are going to flush through your body. So your B vitamins, for instance, your vitamin C, they have a very short... Um, life in your body. So taking um, fat-soluble vitamins are going to be stored in your system. One exception to that is B12, which is stored in the liver. So, um, but, in, but basically our um, fat-soluble vitamins can be toxic. For instance, vitamin A can be toxic. However, I've also done a lot of DNA testing to find that people um, often have difficulties converting beta-carotene to vitamin A. So um, having your genes tested, if you guys are listening and this is something that you want to do, it's, it's a great thing to do as a way to find out what nutrients you might be deficient in. And you need vitamin A in order to um, help with your eyesight, especially night vision. You need it for your immune system, for your mucous membrane health. Um, but again, vitamin A can be toxic. If someone were to take 100,000 IU for up to three months, then that could be a toxic dose. However, for people with autoimmune disease who are not of childbearing age, I do put patients on about 50,000 IU a day to help them with their immune system and help them with mucous membrane health, especially if they have like colitis or um, Crohn's disease. Um, but if you're of childbearing age, you need to make sure your vitamin A is less than 10,000 IU a day. Right. And how about zinc? Yeah, if we're talking about sexual energy, that's oysters and you hear of shellfish. Oh, right. um, is that important to add zinc? And I know that comes also in beef and lamb and eggs and whole grains and shellfish. But is that a, important to make sure we have enough zinc in our diets for sexual well, health? Yes. You know, zinc is really important for sexual health. It's especially important for men. When they do ejaculate, men actually lose zinc in their ejaculate. So, um, and zinc is very important for um, proper testosterone hormone conversion. So zinc is really important for men. It's very important for women as well because it takes part in 50 different enzyme reactions in the body. Um, you know, one of the ways to test for zinc is something I can do in my office. It's a little zinc taste test. It's called a zinc tally. And when patients put that into their mouths, 
if they have a really acrid taste in their mouth, then they do not have a zinc deficiency. But if the, a lot of patients, I have them do the little taste test, and um, the, the water in their mouth actually tastes very sweet. And that tells me that they probably need more zinc. And zinc is also very important for preventing viruses. You know, at the acute onset of a viral influenza, if you can start taking a lot of zinc lozenges, um, they've, research has shown that it can actually lessen the duration of the viral infection. So zinc is super important. Right. You know, also this time, this time of year, as many people are eating McDonald's and Wendy's and fast food, there are also those who are drinking kale juice by the quarts and going on detox. And, you know, I don't think anybody does it scientifically. What, what do you recommend for detoxing? Is it juicing or should you not have too much juice? Because I think too much juice, and you're now saying that too much kale and cabbage and the cruciferous vegetables uh, could have negative effects on your thyroid, which, and I eat tons and tons of kale. So there's always, you know, there's always something. My favorite kale was, was in the news. <laughs> it's like, no, not my kale. Take it. I know. You know what? Kale. I can find something wrong with every food on the planet. I mean, really give me any food and I will find something that's potentially wrong with it. So in terms of cleansing, my favorite cleanse in the whole wide world. And I probably wouldn't do this in New York City in the cold. I would wait till springtime, okay, because when you're, when things are a little bit warmer. But my favorite cleanse is where patients, um, I put them on a rice and vegetable diet for three days while they're using, they're doing smoothies and the smoothies have a rice-based protein powder. <coughs> I'm having them use. And then for three days, I had them do just vegetable juices, not a lot of fruit, but more vegetable juices. And then for three days, they do rice and vegetables again with the smoothies. And and in addition to the smoothies, I have them add some kind of really great fiber, whether it's chia seed or it's psyllium husk, um, and really just kind of clean them out. It's, it's, a, it's a great nine-day cleanse. So it's three days rice veggies, three days of just veggies, and three days of rice veggies. One of the three days where it's just veggies, sometimes I'll have them do just um, vegetable juices. So it's a way to kind of slowly go into the cleanse and then slowly come out of the cleanse. I often have patients use some kind of antimicrobial at that time, like a garlic or um, a berberine, which is from Golden Seal some kind of antimicrobial, and I put them on a probiotic. And so we kind of just do this really nice clean-out. At the same time, they have energy the entire time that they're doing it because they're taking in some calories, so they're not going into ketosis. And um, they, they tend to feel really great afterwards. And then they also help kind of reset them so that they end up making healthier choices after that. And really kind of it's, it's a time to really nurture and take care of yourself. You started to say cha, and I thought the next word was cheese, but it was chia seeds. Oh, <laughs> I, I was very disappointed. I said, oh, my goodness, there's cheese that is involved. But, no, it was chia seeds. So I like chia seeds, too. Um, so, you know, you do write about aromatherapy. So very briefly, we have about two minutes left. Can you talk about some essential oils that are, that are good for our health and vitality? Sure. Well, essential oils like lavender, very calming. Essential oils like rose are very nurturing, especially to the pelvic organs. Um, using aromatherapy can help to ease a lot of tension. It can help. I think what it really does is it really kind of puts women into a more parasympathetic state, which is a more calming state. And this, in turn, can really help to nurture and support them. Oh, my goodness. And I'm, <clears throat> I'm coughing. Must be the smog in New York. I know, or we just—I just pushed the smog through. <laughs> you pushed the smog through to me here in New York. So sorry. So, Dr. Laurie, where can people find more about your work and your writing online? Um, they can find more about me at drsteelsmith.com, S-T-E-E-L-S-M-I-T-H.com, or they can actually go to dailywellness.com, and they can see that I have a web page there as well. Um, there's two few products that I really find are very effective, such as Argin Max for women. It's a great sexual tonic, as well as Essentia for women. Essentia really helps to balance the female hormone system and can really help women through perimenopause, menopause, and PMS. So anyway, feel free to contact me if any of you have any questions, and you can email me at info at drsteelsmith.com. 
How terrific. Well, thank you so much, everyone. That's our show. Thank you again, Dr. Lori. And thank you, as always, my Lori. Uh, and thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well, be better than before. Have a question for Jane and want to be on the next Better Than Before show? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.